Good morning. I want to say hello to all of you joining us online from your living room, from your dining room, from your bedroom, wherever you may be. It's been fun for us to hear uh, so many stories of you joining us in worship during this season. And we've heard from people, of course, here in Denver and in Eagle County and in Africa and in Asia. And so wherever you find yourselves today, welcome. I am so glad that you're here. There is a blogger whose name is Kitty O'Mara. She lives in Madison, Wisconsin. She has been blogging for some time, but fairly unknown up until now. She's a retired palliative care nurse. And recently, she wrote a little blog post that I would like to begin this morning by sharing with you. It is called, And the People Stayed Home. And the people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played games and learned new ways of being and were still and listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced, some met their shadows. And the people began to think differently. And the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless, and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed and the people joined together again, they grieved their losses and made new choices and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed. Today, we find ourselves in a storm. Sometimes we cannot see the results of a storm until after it has passed. One time, Jesus and his disciples found themselves in a storm. That's the story in scripture that I want us to look at today. Their storm took place on the Sea of Galilee. Now, Lake Galilee is actually known for its storms. They often would come in, will come in, with sudden and fierce and kind of incontrollably chaotic winds. In fact, theologian N.T. Wright says that except for the fishermen... The Jewish people were not really known for being people of the sea. They were really more people of the land. The cultural idea at that time was that the ocean and the lakes and the sea, bodies of water, symbolized dark powers of evil, threatening God's creation, threatening his people, his plans, his purposes. So in books in the Bible, like the book of Daniel, we see that the sea is meant to have monsters in it. And in this story, as they, the disciples, go across the lake of Galilee, it's already a little bit challenging for them because of their ideas about the sea. But they have no idea what is about to come. The scriptures say this. That day... When evening came, 
he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Today I want to talk about the calm, the fear, and the presence of Jesus in the storm. The calm, the fear, and the presence of Jesus in the storm. First, the calm. The calm word before the storm. Jesus has spoken a calm word at the beginning of this story. And this is what he says. Let's go over to the other side. Let's go over to the other side. In other words, we are going to the other side of the lake. In other words, I am taking you somewhere new. I am taking you to new territory, to new places. And then the storm is unleashed, and it's rough. The language here is actually similar to the book of Jonah. In fact, many commentators have uh, commented on, they've pointed out all of the parallels between this story and the book of Jonah. In both stories, there's a storm. In both stories, the sailors, seasoned sailors, are afraid. In both stories, there is a man sleeping in the boat. In this story, the storm is severe. The storm begins to thrash against the boat. It is dark. It is confusing. It is out of control and chaotic. It would seem like we and our world is in a storm right now, too. One of the hardest things about the season that we find ourselves in right now is just how chaotic and out of control things can feel from day to day. That is one of the realities of a storm. It's confusing. It's chaotic. It feels out of control. In this story, we know that some of the disciples are actually fishermen. This is their profession. They're seasoned sailors of these waters, and yet it's too much for them, even them. They know they're at the end of themselves. They are totally past their own resources. They're past their own strength. They're past their own abilities to navigate this because this is no ordinary storm. Remember, for the Jewish mindset, the Jewish understanding is that the storms and the waters are a symbol of something deeper, 
Like something deeper is happening here. And I wonder for us if something deeper is happening here. I wonder if something deeper is happening for us now too in this storm that we call COVID-19. It's weird and bumpy right now in our world. While the world feels like it is crumbling, I think sometimes there is a deeper work happening inside me. I don't know about you. Maybe in all of us. As the world that we know, have known, is crumbling around us, I have a sense that there's something crumbling inside me too. And some days, that is the hardest part. Perhaps it needs to crumble in me, but it's painful nonetheless. Those deaths are painful. In a season that we're in of social distancing and self-quarantine, some of the deaths that I am sensing, that I am experiencing, are two false beliefs that I have held. Things that I have told myself like, I am what I do. I achieve, therefore I am. Productivity makes me worthy. And the people stayed home. And those sort of false beliefs started to die. As these things crumble around me, as they die, I am simultaneously invited to rise. To rise in resurrection power to the reality of the strong and unshakable kingdom of God that invites me to remember those lies, I believe, they were never true anyway. I am not what I do. I am a child of God. We are not human doings. We are human beings. Being, apart from any doing, apart from any performing, is the ground of all worthiness. It is not true that I achieve, therefore I am. The reality is, I simply am. I am in God and God is in me. I belong with God and so do you. I am safe in him, and so are you. I wonder what God has called you to die and rise to in this season. I wonder what internal storms you may be facing. I wonder how Jesus has been leading you in recent days. Maybe there are some new frontiers forming in your heart and mind in the midst of this storm. Perhaps you can't even see them yet. Perhaps there is a deeper work happening in your character, transforming you, bringing you into a greater place of freedom on the other side of the lake. Maybe there's something that's in the context of your family or in the context of your neighborhood, or in the context of your work, or in the context of this church. Maybe it has to do with your relationships, or your sense of provision. It could be any number of things. It's interesting that Jesus and his disciples went through this storm, and they came out of it on the other side, 
preaching the gospel in power and strength. Jesus was healing the sick and raising the dead and restoring sight to the blind. Big things would happen on the other side of this storm. But they couldn't see that. Not in the midst of the wind and the waves. Maybe a month ago, when you were considering what you might pick up for the Lenten season, maybe back then, you knew God was moving in your life and you started to think about, what might I give up during Lent or pick up during Lent to connect with God? And maybe you knew a month ago that he was going to stretch you in this season of Lent. And maybe you even said at that time, I'm up for it. And then the storm hit. And you had no idea just how much you would be giving up for Lent. Maybe back then you felt in control, saying like, here's what I'll give up to create space for God. Here's what I'll pick up to create space for God. And then the storm hit. And then we all lost a feeling of control. The storm, perhaps, was the opposite of what you hoped this Lenten season would look like. You had no idea, perhaps, how tough it would get. Maybe right now you're at the end of yourself, like beyond the end of yourself, if you're really honest. But let me ask you, could it be that you are on the front lines of a new frontier of God doing new things in your life and through your life? Jesus said to them, you know, we're going to go to the other side. And then the storm hit. Can we talk about fear? It's normal in a storm to feel afraid. The disciples in the boat with Jesus had some fear. There is fear in the storm. In this passage, we see the fear in the storm because Jesus is sleeping. Like people are presumably throwing up over the side of the boat. They are fighting. They are crying. They are screaming, trying to find a way through this. And what is Jesus doing? Jesus is asleep. Jesus may be so confident, Jesus is so confident in God's power and God's presence that he can rest on a pillow because he knows they're going to the other side of the lake. But the disciples, the disciples are feeling they're on the edge of their lives here. And they feel like Jesus is being uncaring, being distant, being passive in the midst of all that they are going through. And I don't know about you, but when I read this section of the story, I feel like we're on familiar ground. Because if you're human, you know some of the most vulnerable times in life are not the times when God seems absent. Some of the most vulnerable feelings in life are when you know God is there, but you don't see him showing up. There is nothing like that feeling of helplessness. There's nothing like that feel of, feeling of powerlessness, vulnerability, that feeling of exposure. 
It is so countercultural from the self-sufficient way we want to live our lives. And it exposes something to the disciples about themselves. They say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? These are the words of the desperate. These are the words of the angry. Like, do something. Is this how this is really going to end? Jesus, really? Is this where this is all going to go? Like, all those miracles, all those sermons, all those healings, it's going to end right here in the bottom of the lake? Don't you care if we drown? I mean, we have risked everything for you. They must be thinking this. Jesus, we've risked it, risked it all for you. We've been criticized for you. Is this really where this ends? In this storm? In the bottom of this lake? They have lost confidence in Christ. And they are wondering if he is willing, if he is even able to do anything about this moment. Why he doesn't seem to be moving. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And there is an important question in their question for us too in this moment of challenge when perhaps you find your confidence waning as well. It was an important question to those disciples. It was also an important question. This story is written by Mark in the Gospel of Mark. It was also an important question to the first hearers of this story because they were undergoing persecution in Rome. And it's also an important question for you and me now as we go through the storms of life, as we watch people we love go through the storms of life, as we encounter our own personal storms in the midst of this storm, like, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Let's talk about Jesus. Here's what we see in this story. Jesus is in the storm. It's important for us to see that Jesus is in the storm. Not only is he in the storm, but he is power in the storm, in the midst of the storm. There are two things that we see in this story about Jesus in the storm. First of all, he speaks to the storm. Second of all, he asks the disciples a question in the storm. First, he speaks to the storm. It says here, he got up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. The translation for Jesus' words, quiet, be still, could actually be translated, shut up and stay shut up. That is what Jesus says to the wind and to the waves. Jesus doesn't like call upon some power. He is the power. He doesn't call upon some power. He is the power in the midst of this storm. Not only does he command the storm, but when the wind dies down, the water is completely calm. Now, if you know anything about wind and bodies of water, the wind can stop, but the waves usually remain. But the wind died down and the lake became completely still. This is a picture of like a mirror on a lake. 
Jesus deals with a real battle right here. The language used is very deliberate. It's actually the same language that we see in Mark 1.25 when Jesus is dealing with a demon, when he's dealing with the enemy, same language. Because Jesus knows he is dealing with more than just weather here. There is a spiritual battle at play in the midst of this storm. Now, the disciples, they're not aware of that. What do they see? They see the wind. They see the waves. That's all they could see. Jesus sees both the visible and the invisible realities of the storm. And his power is greater than both. When fear began to devour the disciples, when they were drowned by their worries, and when they were drowning in their anxieties, Jesus spoke a word that is stronger. He responds in faith and in power. The first thing he does is rebuke the storm. The second thing he does is he asks the disciples a question. He says to them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? On one level, it is very clear why they're still afraid. They think they're going to drown. They are being devoured by a storm. But Jesus asks questions, and we see all throughout Scripture that Jesus is always asking questions because in the rabbinic tradition, asking a question reveals a deeper question. It reveals deeper questions than what are just being asked on the surface. It would bring the underlying concerns right to the surface because that, those underlying concerns, that is what needs dealing with. He asked because he was more powerful than the storm. He is God, sent from God, he is the Messiah, and he needed them to recognize they didn't quite see that yet. The disciples, of course, they're followers of Christ. They believe he's the Messiah, but in the middle of the storm, they start to question everything. I remember one time Jill Briscoe saying, don't doubt in the darkness what you knew for sure in the light. The disciples, followers of Jesus, they believe he is the Messiah, but in the midst of the storm and in the midst of the waves, they start to doubt. Don't doubt in the darkness what you heard in the light. What are the promises that God gave you before the storm? Before the clouds rolled in, before the storm broke out, Know that God is with you in the storm. He is not asleep because he is passive. He is asleep because he's got this and he's got you. Now, what's so interesting in this story is that the disciples, they're scared in the midst of the storm, but they are terrified after Jesus calms the storm. 
the scriptures say they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They have been given in the midst of their storm a fresh revelation of the goodness and the power and the presence of God. They have been given in the midst of their storm a fresh revelation of God himself. That he rescues, that he transforms lives, that he was with them in the storm. That he can rebuke the storm. That he can meet them right where they are, wherever that may be. They are given a fresh revelation of the presence and the power of God. Who is this Jesus? Like before they said teacher. Now, they're not even sure what to call him anymore. Because now he is bigger than anything their minds could ever fathom It is a fresh understanding of God. Before they called him teacher, now he's more than friend. He is more than wise guide. He is more than moral teacher. He is more than miracle worker. Now he is God, bigger than their minds can ever fathom. And let's be clear, they didn't ask for the storm They certainly didn't enjoy the storm. They didn't even feel close to Jesus in the storm. The storm, it challenged them to their very core. But after Jesus stilled it, they came out of that storm with a fresh understanding of God, with a greater confidence in God's power, and God's presence in their lives. May we also come out of this storm with a greater confidence in the power and the presence of God with us. And the people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played games and learned new ways of being, and were still, and listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced, some met their shadows, and the people began to think differently, and the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless, and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed and the people joined together again, they grieved their losses and made new choices and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed. Let's pray together now as Jesus taught us to pray. I invite you to join me in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.